Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Before we get started, I want to tell you guys about our special offer. It's Black Friday here in the United States. And right now, you can go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and get the athletic for $1 a month for 12 months. This offer is not going to last long. I believe it ends Monday. So don't delay. Sign up. It's going to be wonderful for all those. If you like, I mean, honestly, just do it for Sam Vecini's mock draft that he just posted. It's worth it's you basically pay 12 bucks for the whole year and you can read Sam Vecini all year. But you don't even that's not even it. You can get all of our NFL coverage, every NBA writer, Fred Katz. You can get Sam Amick all year. You can get Sham Sharania all year. For just $12. That's crazy. That's just nuts. You better go do that. And you better use the URL, theathletic.com slash down to dunk. No Taylor, no Luke, just me and Jamon here. Yeah, ready to talk some basketball with our, our friends here from around the world. So if you're from America, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Everybody else, hope you had a great Thursday. <laughs> hope Thursday was good for you. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, we got people from Greece, South Africa, Indonesia. Welcome to the chat. Welcome to the pod. Glad you guys are joining us. Uh, it's still kind of unbelievable to me that that's happening. Uh, so, Jay, anything it, that you want to get off your chest about the Thunder roster before we get started into some questions? No, no I think it's a... Uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of thoughts in my mind. I think it's, there was such a just explosion of NBA news. Um, and I know that that's the reality because I'm at the place now where never Woj tweets something that's not significant. I'm like, Hey man, you could just enjoy your Thanksgiving, buddy. <laughs> I know. Like, yesterday. Okay. It was like all day yesterday. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Sam, it's for me is, is I'm, this is like a a majority of things in my life right now is I feel like I want to see the end end product, like, and not like the five years down the line, but like who's, who's still on this team in a month. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, when the Horford deal finally gets finalized, which unless I've missed that, um, what are the pieces that are still on the roster? Because they have um, what 18 guys on the team right now. There's 22 guys on the team, including the Horford deal. I thought I was being like exaggerative saying 18. No, but there's 22 guys. No, I mean, and at this point I would expect the Horford deal to not go through until, until December 8th. That would yeah. be my full expectation. There's already a rumor. Somebody sent me on Twitter and I be- actually believe that this is true. That Vincent Poirier is not going to be a Thunder player. He's going to be shipped off to the Sixers. And so some, some news outlet in Europe had that already. Uh, and so the Thunder will get back somebody else in that trade. <laughs> They'll have to <laughs> put the poor graphic artists for the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder are going to have another job to do. But yeah, I think 
I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know who, who they keep. I mean, I my guess is that like the J- Josh Gray, Kenrich Williams, Island Cheatham guys all get cut. But but still, then you've still got too many guys. And then from that group, like probably Isaiah Roby doesn't make it. Um, no way. They traded, I mean, Justin Patton. But I have a feeling they actually want him to kind of be on the team. But what, I mean, maybe I mean, not. I don't know. I mean, uh, Darius Miller towards Achilles last year and probably can't play basketball. So he, he probably is either waived or raved and stretched or traded to somebody or something. So he won't be on the roster either, but then like, we well, still have I, more guys. I don't, to think go. A, I don't think Ariza is going to be on the roster. I don't think George Hill is going to be on the roster. Now I mean, the hard part is not. the way the Thunder are playing is it's, it seems like, or, or the way they're building this roster is it seems like they're going to get back somebody. Cause you always have to make the money work. I guess yeah. at that point you just cut it and, you know, stretch and wave or let's the Knicks step in and say, Hey, we'll take them. That's really the only team left that can say yeah. that, that we would take them. But I doubt yeah, that. They, I doubt that. I doubt that they would do that. Maybe they would take George Hill. I don't think, I mean, Ariza does nothing for them. But I wonder, uh, and Andrew, you're, you've got your finger on the pulse of this more than I do, but I wonder what the general attitude of the Thunder fan base is in regards to where this team is headed, like what this roster, just depletion, reconstruction thing. I, like it's this really this teardown tank mm-hmm. um, shopping for superstar. What do you call it? There's some sort of superstar name hunting, makes, small market superstar hunting. There we go. Uh, well, what's the general sentiment? Like, can you gauge what the sentiment is for these, for, for the fan base? Like, are most people kind of, eh, most people excited? Like I, I think I am jacked about it, but I'm, I'm a, you know, a I weirdo. Hope, I would hope that most people are excited about it because I mean, it really just shows a dedication to winning. And I understand that people are like losing, losing is terrible. Losing on purpose is terrible. It's not good for blah, blah, blah. You have the people that say the tanking doesn't work. You're, you're going to hear a lot of that, but you have to, you have to fight back against that, to be honest, because it's just not true. People say that tanking doesn't work. Well, give me an example of when someone has tried and it hasn't worked. Like, give me an example. I just want to hear, I just want to hear an example of when somebody has actually done it, carried it through, and it just absolutely didn't work. Because because I think the big distinction is, and you, I know that you all have talked about this a lot, and I think on the Dream Team specifically, but the difference is is tanking is an actual, um, It's it's an actual strategy versus being bad long term the knicks haven't tanked they're just bad they just the magic the magic have never tanked they're just bad the hornets never tanked they're just bad you can go down the list of all those teams like Mm -hmm. the wizards haven't really tanked because if the wizards were going to tank they would have traded beal they would have gotten amassed an incredible collection of picks um but they've just tried to because for some markets for some teams for some managers is they just they don't have the either the vision or the willingness or the appetite to go through some sort of tank like that. And, you know, the good thing about it for, for teams like Washington is Washington can still kind of be a destination. Yeah. The thing that's worked against them is the fact that they are such a, such a dumpster fire organization a lot of times. And I know it's gotten a little bit better, but uh, I mean, you know, most of my memories of the wizards of the last 10 years has been this like 
they just were a mess for a very long time, mm-hmm. but they still are a place they can draw. Like DC is an incredible market. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma city doesn't have those games. And, and, and this is going to get a time. We're going to be tired saying this point. We just don't have the luxury of being a destination for anybody. Um, no. And so I, I think it's one of those things that this is the perfect strategy for this team. And I think it's, we're already seeing that it's looking ahead to 2021 draft, looking at the way the Thunder are already amassing all these picks. Like this is a supercharged tank that's going to be, I mean, it's still going to be a few years, three years maybe, but I do think it's going to be one where they're going to hit in the next few years. And, and we're going to be shocked at the quick improvement of this roster um, really quickly. I hope so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that. I would expect that this is going to be a long-term process for them. Uh, I would, yeah, long, long-term, you're saying five, five years? Yeah, three to five years. I mean, just, I mean, that's usually what it takes to do it the right way. And I mean, I think the only pushback that I've gotten is about Shay. Like, what does Shay think about this? What, how is Shay going to feel losing all these games? And the truth is, Shea hasn't proven really much at all in the NBA so far. Like he's not an all, he hasn't been an all-star. He hasn't been an all NBA player. He hasn't proven himself to be a guy that you have to sit around and like bite your fingernails worrying about, Oh my goodness, is he going to, what's going to happen? What is Shea going to think? What are they going to do? He's not that guy and he hasn't proven to be that guy. Well, maybe he will prove to be that guy this year, but the truth is he hasn't had the chance to prove that yet. And, I also think that he would will relish the moment in spreading his wings a little bit as well. So I I don't think that he always loved having to share the ball with Dennis and with Chris this year. I think that he would have liked to have it more. And so I think one we can't worry about Shay because Shay may not be the guy and is likely not the guy and so, people are going to start coming up with excuses as to why they don't like tanking. One is going to be maybe Shea doesn't like this. Well, I'm sorry. Their sights are set much higher than where Shea is as a player. So to me, there are very few players that like really matter that you have to like really shape everything around. And Shea is probably not one of those guys. So I wouldn't worry about it to that extent with him. Uh, Then people say like tanking hurts Development. Culture. Culture. Oh, development, yeah. There's just no there's just no real proof of that. It's that's a myth. That's I think it all comes down to you don't want to tank because you don't want to watch your team lose for years on end. Which is okay to feel that way. But let's just identify it and not say that the Thunder are doing the wrong thing. Because ultimately you want to be on the right side of this because the Thunder are going to carry this out. As long as Clay Bennett says this is okay. The Thunder are going to carry this out the entire way. Not the Sixers did this for the most part, but the, the they pulled the plug too early. We're watching the Hawks pull the plug too early right now. Uh, so they're yeah, going the to carry this I think through. The other, I think the thing with the Sixers is also like there were a few drafts where it just wasn't like when Jalil Okafor and Nerlens Noel aren't just the Sixers choices, but those are the, like the consensus top two or three picks mm-hmm. like that, that is, they're just getting some weak 
I, there were some weak drafts in there that kind of thwarted their process too, to where it's like yeah, you skip sure. two years and it feels like from what I can tell from, from 2021, you know, we've talked about this and is uh, you've got probably 10 guys this year that are pretty franchise altering mm-hmm. then in 2022 and 2023. We're also hearing rumors of Amani Bates and you've got this, the tallest, lankiest white guy I've ever seen in my life, uh, Chet, mm-hmm. You know, like there are some franchise altering players. I think that that's the key for for this team is do you hit in the lottery, which is not a guarantee. Yeah, uh, they flattened a lot of the odds to try to um, discourage tanking, and so can you hit in these next few lotteries? And if you hit in the next few lotteries, then the whole franchise starts looking differently. And mm-hmm. I think you, I think in, the, in just seeing somebody in this in the in the chat here, is I think there's validity to the point of Shea is a known quantity. And sure. nobody in the top five is a known quantity. It's an assumption. Uh, I think they've said that if they redrafted Shea's draft, he would probably be a top five pick. I think that's pretty. Definitely. Yeah. I think you could look at that and make that choice. But it's it's one of those things where you're looking at ceiling. There's a chance that a guy like Cade Cunningham could have a higher ceiling. But it's all chance. And that's one of the things that is going to be hard for a lot of Thunder fans because we we appreciate the known quantity. Yep. And Shea's, Shea's a known quantity. Basley's a known quantity. Dort's a known quantity. Uh, and, and it's a risk. There's a risk involved in all of it. I don't foresee them trading Shea uh, to get to get a higher pick. I think somebody asked that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I don't know. I think that would be a really big shock to the fan base, and which is not what Sam really thinks about all the time. But it is part of the conversation is that that you trade your best player and the guy that has incredible promise for a, a top one, two, three pick, or you pair the three pick with Shea to get the one pick. Yeah. I just think that would be really a hard pill, pill for a lot of the Thunder fans to swallow. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't claim to know what they will and won't do to get a guy like Cade or any, anybody else really. That's the, if they think that, that a guy is going to be, the LeBron or Kawhi or whoever of the draft, you absolutely have to trade Shea to do that. Right. (laughs) You absolutely have to, because the guys you can, not that Shea is like an easy player to get, but the player of the quality of Shea is much easier to get than a guy that's a top five player in the league. And if you have a chance to get a guy that's a top five player in the league, then nobody and nothing is untouchable. Nothing. And it may be a that may be difficult for fans, but the, the chase is after top five guys. And that's really it. Uh, and I mean that's that's what this is all about is how can we leverage ourselves to get a guy that's in the top ten. And Shea is is probably I mean, what's Shea's ceiling? Like top thirty, top forty player in the NBA? I mean, yeah, I, mean I haven't I, seen anything better than that. I haven't seen an indication that he's going to be an all-NBA player. Maybe he will be, but I haven't I haven't seen it yet. And, and you know, it's only been two years. Yeah, and it's, I don't know. There's people that are a lot smarter than me. I know Zach Lowe is really high on Shea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of guys in the media that think that Shea will be an all, all-star, um, which is crowded for this year and the next few years. Mm-hmm. But but there are a lot of people that are very, very smart to that think that about him. So here's, here's kind of an example. So Kevin Durant was drafted in 2007. Mm-hmm. 
the 2005 draft had Chris Paul at four and Darren Williams at three. Mm -hmm. Now, so this is so 2005 Durant's in 2007. If you're the Utah Jazz and you had Darren Williams, who was really good, yeah, really good his first few years, yeah. But you could pair that with another pick to get to number one or two to get Kevin Durant. Yeah, right. You absolutely have to. It would have made the fan base very, very frustrated. But history at least tells us that Kevin Durant was the franchise changer. Mm -hmm. And Darren Williams was a franchise changer for different reasons. You just have to hope that they don't try it up to get Greg Oden instead of Kevin Durant. Right. Yeah, which that's, you know, I <laughs> think that screwed. it's funny as I'm going to say this and know that the uh, know that the 2020 draft still it's so strange how many bigs were still drafted in a league that is increasingly going away from bigs. Role and playing I get that, bigs the Lakers, at that like, not Anthony just Davis. yeah, not just not just bigs like bigs with potential, like guys that are some of the guys in the first round ceiling as like role playing backup big men. Like unbelievable. Right. Well, look, so our, our beloved Troy Weaver, the Detroit Pistons, oh, used Isaiah Stewart. Why? I don't know, man. Like if he was the 25th pick, sure. Take a flyer on him because then you can just have a guy that's a rotation guy, but he was too early to pick up a guy that like Cole Aldrich and Isaiah Stewart are pretty similar. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I like Isaiah Stewart. He's probably a backup big man for his career. Maybe becomes your fifth starter on your team. Maybe. If you get real lucky. I just, yeah, I don't get it. And then you go out and you sign Mason Plumley to a ridiculous contract as well. We'll Yeah, I don't, I can't go back into the Pistons, man. It's just a, the, the one that really is confusing is the Zaire Smith move. Like, why not at least just take a runner on him? See if he can play basketball. Just give him. Yeah, I don't know. Just give him a try. I just don't. I don't get that either. Uh, Pepsi United says, seeing how Troy Weaver is and Rob Hennigan was performing as a GM, are we sure that the OKC front office under Sam Presti is as elite as it was being reported? Man, the deal is, is the front office versus just Sam. That's <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. You know, like Sam is the one that we think is elite. And all these other guys had a really defined and it's hard. Like the jury is very much still out for what Troy Weaver does. It's hard, though, because these guys may have had a really high giftedness in a specific area of organization building. Mm hmm. And being the GM versus the assist, like Troy Weaver may have had, and I don't know enough about the franchise. His may have been more player personnel. And so once they're here, he's fantastic with them. But Sam's the one that's making the decisions on who gets here kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If that was Troy Weaver's thing, then it makes sense to bet on a guy like Jeremy Grant because you know him and you think you can extrapolate from him more than the Nuggets could or, you know, even Oklahoma City could. So that would kind of make sense. But the, as so far, as far as accumulating talent, I would not be super excited about what Troy Weaver has done in one year. So, No, no. And yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's some validity to the question. But Sam has shown like a clear vision for what's going to happen and he's executing it 
and I agree. And, like Rob Hennigan and Troy Weaver did not show that. But also you have to pair that with who is their boss? Like who is their owner for both yeah, franchises? The ownership is such an important piece of that. Because it's not just Sam. It's Sam and the Oklahoma City ownership group. It's Sam and whoever helps run the Thunder. And that's that's the pairing that matters. In Detroit, they may be saying, hey, go do something. Make a splash. Like today. Go do that. And he may and then he has to just say, okay. Rob Hennigan had to say, they said, okay, enough is enough. We've tanked long enough. Go get us a good player today. And he had to say, okay. So it's it's really difficult to unmarry those two and just say, like, this is a terrible GM. Well, tell me what ownership is saying. Because if, if Detroit's ownership is just saying, hey, Troy, do your thing, then, yeah, this is bad. This is very bad. But we don't know. I don't know what they're saying. I have no clue. Yeah. I, yeah. And I don't – from from both of those teams, both of those franchises, Orlando and Detroit mm-hmm. – both of them have a history of being far too antsy about losing. Um, yeah. And they would always compile. I mean, Stan Van Gunny goes after Blake Griffin, right? doesn't make any sense, Mm-mm. really. Even looking at this year where that franchise doesn't seem to be able to stomach intentional tanking, it's, it, which is my – the funniest thing to me is like, you're just bad. You're just bad, but you don't have intentional losing, you know, like you've got a weird roster that's spending a lot of money, yet you're not ever going to make the playoffs. Like, what are you doing? Like Orlando's ownership. Are you really content going five games in the first round forever? (laughs) Maybe feels like it. (laughs) It So it's just, I don't know, man. Well, that's like with the Kings. I mean, everybody's like, oh, the tanking doesn't work. Look at the Kings. Man, like, look at the Kings roster. I mean, they traded for Harrison Barnes on that massive bloated deal and then re-signed him on another massive bloated deal. Like, what are you what Well, are you they did that. They also signed, uh, oh, gosh, Corey Joseph. They signed Corey Joseph to a contract that was Corey way Joseph, too substantial. In the, yeah, in the past, they brought in Rajon Rondo and Marco Bellinelli. And they, I mean, they've just done all these moves that – do nothing but just put you right in the middle where you're okay. We're perpetually picking at 12 every year. Now, can we get lucky and get a good player? Sure. Could we be a little bit worse than we thought and get Darren Fox? Sure. But otherwise you're just picking 12 and you can get a nice player. Like buddy Hield's a nice player, not a franchise changing player or well, I don't you even get in the Darren top Fox five is a franchise. Yeah. I mean, Darren Fox is, but then you get, but then you have a chance to take a franchise-changing player, and you take Marvin Bagley. Yeah, that was the game. I mean, like taking Bagley over Doncic, which is, for me, is it just goes back to what you, exactly what we're talking about. Like, ownership. Ownership is too involved in the Kings' decision-making. Like, yeah. it's pretty clear. Like, there's that, the was it the Ringer or Grantland? I can't remember who it was that did that one that it's we've always one. talked about, yeah. where basically Vivek forced them to select Stauskas. Yep. Which is now, he's now a Milwaukee Buck. Thank you, Woj, he for is. that one. Yeah, that's great. Good for good for Nick. Nick rocks. Nick rocks. Uh, but Elfin King wants to know, would you rather be a Pistons or a Kings fan? Oh, gosh. You have to choose now. Three, two, one, choose. Pistons. 
Oh, gosh, Jay. Sick. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. There's a history for the Pistons. I think both of them are heading in a similar direction. But the Pistons are actually, uh, like, they've got, like, a storied franchise, man. They've got championships that people remember. You big Killian Hayes guy over there? Yeah, actually. Sure. Okay. That's fine. I'm going Kings all the way, baby. Vladdy. <laughs> he's not there anymore, is he? No, he's not. Sad. Um, sad. It is sad. Um, he he did come and eat in the uh, Thunder Media uh, eating room whenever you sat in rooms together and ate food with people. Yeah, what was that like? I, I can't know. believe we used to do that. I don't know. We were disgusting humans back then. Let me ask this question. This is an aside, and and another we people listen to this that maybe resonate with me, like. So let's say that a vaccine comes and the virus or the pandemic kind of slows down or whatever is eliminated completely. How nervous are you going to be the first time you walk into an arena with 19,000 people? I, I, I just developed severe anxiety <laughs> just hearing this sentence. I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I, like, I know that the the joy and pressure or excitement yeah. to get back into, you know, normalcy, you know, quote unquote normalcy. I think that that's going to push people to go past that. But that mm-hmm. first time that I go into a place like that, I'm going to be like, yeah, the last time this arena had people, the coronavirus became real to everybody. You right. Know? I know it's going to be odd. I mean, they are. I mean, I will be able to go to the arena. When they when things start up, I don't know if I will. I don't know how many people they're letting in. I don't really know what that looks like. I don't. It probably will largely depend on where they let me sit. To be honest, <laughs> whether I just watch from home or go to the arena. Um, but and then what? What sucks? Like the main reason you want to go is that to have player access and to do all that. But it will all be over Zoom after the game, anyways. Yeah, it's not really worth it. So. If I get to sit close, I might go just to see, yeah. just to see Poku in, in real life. Right. But other than that, I don't know. Yeah. And the NBA is setting all of those guidelines for the start of the year with the plexiglass shield and limited amount of people in the stadium. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's going to be a wild year, which is a perfect time to be really bad. It's the perfect time. Uh, let's see. You want to take a break and then, uh, yeah, Come back with some TQs. Let's take a quick break. And we're back from that quick break. Let's see. Um, lots of Troy Weaver questions in here. Uh, this one is from at Sam the Swindler. You guys talked about how Atlanta skipped a step in their rebuild. Do you think this was this will ultimately lead to Trey Young asking out? Also, do you think that Boston skipped a step? In the rebuild, too. They traded eight in the 2018 draft for Kyrie when they could have had SGA. A couple things. Atlanta, yeah, I do think ultimately that depending on what Trey wants, I mean, he could he could want to stay in Atlanta. But depending on what Trey wants, yes, it could ultimately lead to that because I don't think the team as presently constructed, unless a Kongwu becomes... A, an all-star type of player, which is not impossible, but I wouldn't bet on it, and I wouldn't bet on that team being a top two team in the East in the next three or four years. 
No. And some of that, but some of that also to be fair falls on Trey. Like Trey is maybe one of the most offensively talented guys in the entire league, Mm -hmm. but he's such a negative on defense. Yeah. And it doesn't look like that's going to be something that he can fix. And then they add all of these pieces where it's like, who Danilo Gallinari? Yeah. I, like they may score 140 points a game, but they're going to get beat 160 to 140. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, their defense is going to be brutal. And they have guys like young guys that could project to be good defenders, but DeAndre Hunter potentially, but you've just squeezed out a ton of his minutes. Right. Yeah, I think they made a big mistake. Uh, and then, I do too. And I think you just you just spend one or two more years being bad, man, and then just you, one, just one, the, just the key, one. The, the key for Trey is like, for the most part, it's the same thing with Shea, is these rookie scale contract guys almost always sign their first extension. Always. Yeah. So you, that's a pretty long runway for a guy like even with Shea, which Shea's going to sign for three more years, right? Is that right? Or is it five? I mean, it should be four more years. It should be signing for four after this. You should be by the time that that, and that would, if I was betting, if Sam feels like Shea is part of the rebuild, then I would assume that the timelines are matching up there um, to where that last year with Shea, they're hopefully competing in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, playing for, for substantial kind of prizes. So, and that's exactly when you want to be because the Warriors are gone. Now there's always a new team that rises up, yep. but the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers, all of them are going to be so old, mm-hmm. which for LeBron James doesn't really matter. You right. know, he'll be playing at 40. I think he really wants to play with his son, by the way. Um, I mean, that's his goal. See, I see no reason why he couldn't. No, exactly. So, but that's for me, I'm like, I think that that would be a timeline that makes sense. If Shea is a part of this, then I think, I think it has to be that timeline or or they're they're tethered together. And so don't worry about this initial contract. Everybody signs it. And that's the same thing for Atlanta. The hard part for me is like, if Atlanta is in the top 10 again this year and you get a Jalen Green, Mm -hmm. who's like a scorched earth two, like pure two, like he's almost like Trey Young, but at the two position, Mm -hmm. like pretty clearly not a lead ball handler. That kid on the Hawks, and all of a sudden you're like, "All right, then you now we have our building spot. blocks. We're going to be wild, and we're going to be a blast, and we're going to be young." Yeah. But in three years, we're going to be fire on yeah. offense, you know. Mm-hmm. But instead, nope. No, they have to get Bogdanovich. He's a nice player, but he's he's 28. Yeah, dude. They just spent. I mean, they just spent how much between Bogdanovich and Gallo? Yeah, yeah. It's it's insane. What, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't like it. Like forty no. million between yeah. the two. Which you have to spend money. I get that, but absorb bad contracts. I hate. Okay, Al, I hate this. I hate Al Horford this. is out there. You don't have to. Number one, you don't have to. I hate this. This is the excuse everybody's giving Charlotte right now. Well, you have to spend the money somehow. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't have to do it like this. Oh, this is the only way they're going to get a player is that they spend thirty million on Gordon Hayward. No, you don't have to do that. I hate that people say that. Well, they have to do it. They just had to. This is what the small markets have to do. No, they don't. You don't have to do that. Because all Gordon Hayward does is make you just good enough 
to be outside of the, of like the good picks in the lottery and just bad enough to not make the playoffs. You don't have to do that. If you pair LaMelo with somebody good in next year's draft, then you might actually form a team that people will come to see. It's a crazy. It's freaking crazy, man. I don't get yeah. it. I, I don't get letting these guys off the hook saying, oh, well, yeah, it's just something you have to do. It's not. It's honestly not something that you have to do. And you shouldn't do it. You should not do it. It's dumb. Uh, and then he asked about Boston. I mean, the Boston... Boston's different. The Thunder have two ways to get better. One through the NBA draft and then two through trade. Boston has three ways to get better. NBA draft, trade, free agency. And they've proven that they can get guys in free agency in the last few years. Now they're leaving, which is a concern. And I think should be more of a concern for Boston fans. But overall... Yeah, dude, all I'll say is like... Gordon Hayward leaving was weird. Like he broke his ankle. Yeah. The first play for the first three minutes of his career in Boston. Right. And when he's gone, Tatum and Jalen Brown become the guys Mm -hmm. they bring in Kemba. And so at that point, Gordon Hayward is what the fourth option on that team fifth. Yeah. And so I think people, if you'd asked a Boston fan, would you rather have Gordon Hayward or Marcus smart? What would they say? They'd say Marcus smart. Yeah, but, so Gordon but the Hayward, option could have then, been both. Like you could have had both. You should have sure. had both. He could have. I mean, he he could have just opted into the thirty-two million he was due for, thirty-four million he was due for. The issue for me is more on Danny Ainge, honestly. Like in the sense of he's he sometimes feels like he gets stuck. Yeah, and doesn't want to, or he or greedy. Maybe another one. I don't know enough of the intricacies of their their office, just this is rumbling. So what you hear from different podcasts and, mm-hmm. and media people is for Gordon Hayward. Like dude, move him, move him. Yeah. I can't believe if there's, if that report is real, that he didn't want to take on miles Turner, you literally got nothing to lose this guy. And you could have had a center that yeah, if you don't, don't love what he does, then don't play him. But you at least got an asset. Yeah. I don't get that either. I think that is wild. I think that is absolutely wild <laughs> that they didn't. If, if Miles Turner's on the table, you don't go get him. I think that's insane. Yeah, I think that is nuts. Uncle uh, Earl, Uncle Earl in the timeline, man. That is, he, this guy is. It does not seem like he is a pro tank uh, man. So he oh, wants. What's he, saying? he likes what the Hawks are doing. So, which Good. is fine. You, Great. If you love the seventh seed, get after it. Get they won't get to seventeen. I mean, ceiling, ceiling is the seventh seed is the ceiling. Let's go get it. Let's go get it, boy. Let's do it. I mean, I'm just not, I mean, if that's what you want, that's fine. Like some, some fan base and some people want that. They want a team, a team that's going to compete and just drop into the playoffs every now and then. Great. Cool. Or your ceiling's the five seed, like the Thunder were this past year. Sweet. Great. You know what? You're going to get really sick of that after a few years. I promise you, because you just get on this treadmill where it's like, okay, Great. We just lost in the first round again. We're getting the 19th pick in the draft again, and we're going nowhere. I mean, that's how that's how teams get stuck. That's the worst place to be. That's the absolute worst place to be in the NBA. You don't want to be that. I promise you. You don't want to be that. Um, yeah, I mean, and you all went through this, not to belabor this point too much, but you go through the East, and 
Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, yeah, Indiana, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. Toronto. Like the Hawks aren't better than any of them. No. And this team doesn't put you there in five years. And, and the question mark, and I think, I think you're right. Uh, we've never been bad. It's there's, there's a value in the fact that the thunder haven't had to experience that. Yeah. Uh, although the first year they won 15 games or however many games, 20 games. All right. But, but I will say this is uh, I think the thing that's so hard for them is the Hawks. You just don't know what DeAndre Hunter is going to be. Like he was a pretty, I don't know. He kind of even projected as a role player whenever yeah, he was drafted. Um, defensive specialist mm-hmm. Kevin Herter as uh, another guy. What is that guy going to be? Jonathan John Collins wants a max deal, and he's not worth half of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are just some roster kind of construction issues that I just say like beyond just uh, adding these other guys that bring question marks for what the Hawks are going to be. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, at smiling contender wants to know, I saw the thunder are over the cap, but under the salary floor. Can Andrew please explain what this means and how that's even possible? <laughs> so they're under the cat. They're under the salary floor based on player salary only. And then they are over. They are over the cap when it comes to, um, middle level exception and trade exceptions and things like that, that all, they all total up to determine whether you are over or under the cap. So they're simultaneously operating there so they can continue to try to use one of those big um, traded player exceptions, which we may find out soon if they're going to. They, we still have the option of Batum, which is a thing that we may see from them. Uh, they, I mean, they could just bring Batum in with that giant trade exception they got from the Steven Adams deal. And I don't know if they're going to do that. That's uh, an option that they have. It really will just depend on what Charlotte will do. But they could bring in, without trading Horford, bring in Batum without approaching the tax, which is pretty wild. And I, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to be compensated enough because to just take on $27 million, you have to, one, go to your owner and say, hey, we would like to take on $27 million so that we can get another pick. Are they going to say yes to that? I have no idea. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. And then like people that are worried about the salary floor, like, can we even reach the salary floor? You don't have to reach the salary floor, but what happens when you don't is if it's $10 million under the salary floor, what you do is you take that $10 million and you split it evenly between all your players and the players get a bonus at the end of the year for being under the salary floor. That's what you have. You have to do that. And so, I mean, if you're SGA, if you're Bayes, if you're any of those guys, you're probably crossing your fingers that they're below the salary floor because it just guarantees you a bonus at the end of the year. And that's how that happens. So one, please don't worry about the salary floor uh, at all. Cause people are, I've seen people concerned about that in my Twitter mentions. Like, yeah, please don't, please don't be concerned about that. Um, and then, yeah, it's very complicated. John Hamm knows about could probably explain this all a lot better than me. Actually, I know he could. So, but that's the best that I can do with it. Um, question from at Sean Cargill. Good or no, a trade for Kevin Knox and the 2021 Clippers first round pick for George Hill. 
Uh, what do the Knicks want that for? I don't know. I mean, I would do that. I don't even have to include Kevin Knox. I about to say I would do literally anything for George Hill to be gone. Now, I will say this: like George Hill is a guy that I don't think is going to create much of a problem being on this roster. Yeah, but he definitely is somebody that has a limited probably timeline for bringing value back. Which mm-hmm. he's only got what two years, and uh, I think that for me is the one I keep going back to is George Hill on the Clippers would make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, I've looked at the salaries enough to realize like it's kind of a struggle to get there and what asset do the Clippers have that we don't already have. Right. Um, but, but he, him going there, maybe a three team deal where Lou Williams, you know, like Three Oklahoma city gets somewhere. their piece from somewhere else, you know, something like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, Rossby says my six year old son loves Pokemon. I showed him your Pokemon video and he's been singing your version for a week straight. But that has nothing to do with my question, which is, what did you think of Cunningham's first game for OSU on Wednesday? So here's the deal is college basketball is hard to watch. It's the whole point of it is to slow the game down. And even in spite of that, what you see from Cade is just elite skill on multiple levels. Yeah. Um, He's gigantic. That's the first thing that stands out, right? Is that he's just huge. And he has the the guard that's bigger than everybody else. (laughs) He's six, eight, a legit six, eight. He can pass. He can shoot. He can drive. He can. The thing here's, you want to know what I love the most about him. And it's also what I loved. And somebody else asked this question about Jalen Suggs. You've seen guys that have come into the, for example, Anthony Edwards. The question about Anthony Edwards is like, does he really care? Yeah. Does he compete? Yeah. You can watch Cade. You watch Jalen Suggs. Mm-hmm. And those guys want to compete and win. Yep. And you see it on every play. Make a pass. Fired up. Challenging. And Cade's circling up the rest of the team and leading them to the next thing. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff you want to talk about that sends me from like a, you know, like I'm pretty excited about this guy to, Oh my gosh, like leverage the franchise to get him. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that does that a six foot eight point guard that can shoot, can pass, can defend competes on a high level, loves basketball, picks Stillwater, Oklahoma, like perfect, perfect. Although they did sign his brother. His brother's a coach, I think, is what it was. But gotta do whatever you can, man. We'll bring him on the Thunder staff. <laughs> you know? no, obviously, that doesn't matter. But I mean, for real, you, you do whatever you can do. You do whatever, Maybe that was a mistake because they, did, they didn't hire Tony Durant in 2016, so that was the mistake. <laughs> right. I know. That's a huge mistake. Oh. I, I can't. I can't say this enough before before we go. I said it on Twitter the other day. But if you only listen to the podcast, you're not following us on Twitter. You're not as active in Twitter. Uh, Sam Vecini is producing tremendous content yeah. today. Today, only $1 a month through the weekend for a full year yeah. through the weekend. Mm-hmm. The athletic, the 2021 way too early NBA mock draft. He doesn't put teams with players, but he can go through the list of players, but they also him and this guy, Matt uh, Penny is yeah, that his name, Matt, uh-huh. who's fantastic. I love the content he brings too, but those two guys go through basically the top 10 and, uh, if you if you want to talk about it being excited about the 2021 draft, like li- listen to that one today. Yep. Because up through seven players, 
Uh, I think it's all the way up through uh, the kid out of Stanford, Zaire, I think is his name, but I can't remember. Up through seven players, they said, would be the number one draft pick in this past year's draft. So you have seven shots to get basically a number one draft pick. Um, But that's the kind of stuff that gets you excited. But he talks a lot about Kate Cunningham. I mean, for Sam, Vecini is is like, without question, the most impressive. He says in that podcast that he's not sure he can identify find another prospect that he was this excited about and confident about uh in, including zion in that by yeah. the way so <laughs> and he's playing in stillwater we're gonna be able to see him all the time oh here in Oklahoma. I know, man it's very exciting i am a little worried that we're gonna get so invested in him and then he's gonna be a nick or something you know what i mean yeah, there's a chance. There's a chance. But the thing, that's that's the encouragement from listening to that podcast is you can go. I mean, Jalen Green, you've got Jonathan Kaminga, you've got Brandon Boston, the kid from Kentucky, and they're all wings. Yeah, that's what's like they're great. all wings. Positionally, this is it's a great draft because you don't have like the Jalil Okafor sprinkled in there where it's like, yeah, this guy's this guy's an old school score. It's like, no, no, you know, I mean, these are all wings. They're point guards, they're wings, they're shooting guards where it's like, okay, great. They're positionally perfect for what you want. So yeah, totally, totally agree. Angelo, she's made it into the chat. What's up, Angelo? Thanks for joining. Thanks for everybody for joining. I, you know, we're going to have disagreements throughout these next few yeah. years, and that's okay. I'm perfectly okay with disagreeing. I, I'm glad that you're here. It's good. Like, just if you do disagree with anything I'm saying, anything Jay's saying, just, like, just keep challenging us because I think that that is honestly, uh, I, think it's a, I think it's good. I think it's good to keep challenging, but just know you're going to be, that you're wrong though (laughs) we are right (laughs) i hope you guys have a good weekend i hope that if uh if you're in the u.s that you had a great thanksgiving enjoy black friday don't do anything stupid just shop online sit at home and and enjoy the uh, the savings today uh penny said i'm gonna get the athletic today using your code it's finally happening see there we go Got somebody signing up. Uh, just a reminder, go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and you can get the athletic for $1 a month for 12 months. It's our Black Friday sale. It's the biggest sale of the year. Promise you, it's going to be wonderful. Hope you guys have a great weekend and we will talk to you guys again on Monday.